Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter in studio with Eli McCann. Hello. Eli. Yeah. What have you been watching? I'm going to plug three things here. The first one is I'm going to be really quick on this, okay? Oh my gosh. I am watching Survivor. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> I've got a couple of friends who live in California and we've been um we're watching seasons 15 through 20 right now for those playing along at home and you want to hurry and try and catch up to us and then we Marco Polo every we watch two episodes a night and then we Marco Polo each other about what we thought and what we think is going to happen. Are you going to do a hive mind with them? Um I could if you want me you to. You should. Um seasons 15 through 20 is a really great stretch. And so uh, and I haven't seen all of them. Mm. So tonight I'm finishing season 17. It's my first time watching it. It's been really, really fun. It's uh, like the era is like 2008 to 2010-ish. Okay. It's kind of fun to go back and visit that. Okay. Um, I tried watching... Have you seen that Jim Gaffigan has a new special? I had not seen that, no. No good? I think it's on Hulu or Amazon. I can't remember which. Um, so it's interesting. It's It's a stand-up series. Okay. Where he goes to different countries in the world and he does a stand-up, like an hour stand-up show about jokes about that country where that he's in. And so like episode one, he's in Canada and he just makes a lot of jokes about Canada and Canadians. Okay. Episode two, he goes to Spain and he makes a lot of jokes about... That takes a lot of research, I feel like. Yeah. I, you can tell that he put a ton of effort into it. Um, I like Jim Gaffigan. I think he's really funny. Yeah. Uh, his all of his like specials on Netflix are some of my favorite stand up comedy that I've seen. This is like mildly funny to me. Do you remember that Jerry Seinfeld American Express commercial where he goes to uh, England and he's telling jokes about baseball and he doesn't? Oh, get a yeah. laugh and then he has to like travel around England to like get context and then he tells a cricket joke and everybody laughs. Yeah. So it kind of feels like that actually. Okay. The the Canadian one is probably gonna be the closest to home, you know, yeah. literally the closest to home. But like even still, he has like a whole series of jokes about what the people are like in the different Canadian provinces. And it's like there were a couple of stereotypes that I was like, I think I was mildly familiar with that stereotype, mm. but otherwise I'm just like the audience is dying over this. Well, that's this. What, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Is the audience responding yeah, to it? Yeah, the audience. Interesting. Yeah, the audience seems to be responding to it. And you know, it's still the Jim Gaffigan shtick. Like, yeah. it's it's Hot still pockets. yeah, it's still him like doing the kind of commentary from an anonymous audience member. You know how he does that? He'll like make a, a joke at somebody's expense, yeah. and they'll be like, "This guy's a jerk." <laughs> it's still like that shtick, you know, yeah. over and over again. And I I find him so endearing and delightful. He just seems like a really sweet guy. Yeah. Um, so I would say uh, if you're looking for something to just put on the background while you're cooking, maybe like throw this on and give it a try. Okay. It's funny enough, but it's not, you're not going to like get the typical Jim Gaffigan where you're like laughing so hard you have a stomach Side splitting. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I've been wanting to actually talk about this in person with you for a couple of weeks. I sent you a couple of like tweets. There are these series of videos of people playing a prank on their parents and it has become my new favorite genre of pranking where what they do is they're driving in their car and they call oh, their parents yes. and they record it but yes. they, they call their mom or dad and they say mom i just got pulled over and for speeding and i told the cop that i was rushing home to help you because you had fallen and now the cop is following me to to your house to make sure you fell so when you when we get there i need you to pretend like you fell 
and the parents are always like, why would you do that? You know, they're so mad. And then the people go to the house with their camera and they go in to see what kind of fall their parents have staged to yes, help it's them. It's so mean. It's so mean. And like a lot of the parents, it, it's like almost the same thing every time where the parent like once they go in with the camera and they're like, mom, are you OK? And like there's this one where the mom is pretending she fell down the stairs and she's laying at the bottom of the stairs with her legs like still up on the stairs and she's like acting disoriented. There's no way they're and real. I don't. The I parents are in on maybe. it. They have to be. But so like usually the parent will like see it and then the parent will just sit up and just be like, you have got to be kidding me. And they get mad, but then they start kind of laughing because they realize that, that it's funny. If I did this to my mom, I don't think that she would have a sense of humor about it. I think my mom would be like, well, enjoy getting that ticket or whatever. Like, I don't. You don't think she would play along? <laughs> Why would she? I think my mom would probably be at the front door waiting to talk to the cop and just be like, let apologize me just, let for me your just behavior. apologize. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like some of these parents, it, these videos are so funny. Just Google them. I don't know what to search for, but maybe like Google parent prank. The one cop. you sent me, she's like splayed out on the kitchen floor and there's a plate of food. <laughs> She like she had to... dropped a plate of food. <laughs> I, there's no way it's real. I don't buy it. There's got to be maybe there are some faked ones, but there's got to be at least like one maybe out there. Maybe it started with a real one. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, that's that is what I've been watching. Okay. What have you been watching? Uh, Never Have I Ever is a Netflix series that Mindy Kaling produced. Right. Uh, it focuses on teens, and I I like it enough that I keep watching it. I wouldn't call it my favorite show ever. I am enjoying it. It's a very diverse cast, which I appreciate. Uh, protagonist is a Indian girl in high school. It's narrated by John McEnroe. Who's that? He's a famous tennis player who is like notorious for having a temper. Mm. Uh, he he did an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Which one? Where he's, for some reason, the limo driver on the way to Ted Danson's birthday party. Oh, yeah. I've seen yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, and you kind of wait to find out why John McEnroe is narrating this thing, which is kind of like a fun twist. Okay. I, I'm going to I'll watch the season. Okay. Not that long. Uh, enjoying it. So, Mindy Kaling wrote it? Yeah. Okay. And we, you and I have discussed Mindy Kaling is a bit hit and miss. Yeah. So, I would call this a hit. I think it's my favorite thing I've seen come from her. Like, the Mindy Project, I didn't love. That I wasn't for really me. I really wanted to like yeah. it. And I was like, it's just... It's just a little off, and I never could really fully get on board. A lot a lot of her stuff, I was such a huge fan of her in The Office. I mean, she has some of the best Office yeah. moments. Yeah. A lot of her stuff is almost funny. Yes. Yeah. And I think part of it is that she has, like, a very twee sensibility, and this is a very twee mm, show. Gotcha. And she, like, finally found her fit. Like, she, it's easier for her to write about adolescence than adulthood, I believe. Okay. Interesting. You know, so hot take. hot take that is consistent with a hot take that I've been getting a lot because I'm still listening to the Office Ladies podcast. Yeah. Oh, with Jenna and Fisher. And... The other guy started a new one. The guy who? who played Kevin is starting like a competing podcast. Really? Yes. I'm going to have to look this up. I'm yeah. Like, is it bitter? bitter? I, I don't know. I haven't looked into Angela it. Kinsey and that guy, Brian, they're like neighbors and they're really close oh, really? friends. That's funny. Um, I just know that on Who Weekly they were advertising for it and I was like, 
stop what? Interesting. Yeah. Well, so they they've they've had Mindy Kaling on the podcast. They every week they have a different guest, fun. somebody from the show. It's been really fun. Um, the John Krasinski interview was really good, actually. Really, but, but John so, Krasinski is kind of a hot rod right now. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, lightning rod, I mean. Lightning rod, yeah. Hot rod. <laughs> that too, I'm sure. Um. Anyway, so what I was going to say is they talk about Mindy Kaling a lot because they were close friends with her, you know, yeah. on, on the show. And um, they will say um, that some, in, at some point her character of Kelly and Mindy Kaling kind of are one and the same person. They're like, <laughs> she's more thoughtful and em- empathetic, I guess, than the Kelly character. Yeah. But like that kind of like bubbliness. Yeah. And, and like interest in things that are, you know, pop culture and whatever else, like that's actually Mindy Kaling. <laughs> and that character in The Office, they said, was never written, was never supposed to become what Kelly became. It was supposed to be this kind of school marmy, yeah. you know, quiet, strict in the background character. But every week, Mindy Kaling would just keep asserting herself and her own personality into it until finally they were just like, whatever, be what you want. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's great. So yeah, if she created that character, then that was a hit. You know? Yeah. So Good for her. Uh, anything else? Oh, I'm talking. <laughs> Sorry, I took over. No, that's okay. Um, my Red Bull just kicked in. Um, <laughs> so we watched The Taking of Pelham 123 a while ago, which is there was a remake in the 2000s, but The Taking of Pelham 123 is a movie from the 70s about a subway heist. Hmm. And I love nothing more than a heist movie. And this is like like a grisly 70s New York yeah. uh, kind of like grainy film heist movie. Totally loved it. Like okay. Stephen felt was like falling asleep and was like, should we just finish this tomorrow? I was like, absolutely not. We are watching this till the end. Wow. And so he's like, there's another movie I think you're going to like called The Thing. It's a remake of The Thing from Outer Space done by John Carpenter, who did all of the um halloween movies so i was like cool i love me like a like a monster movie Mm -hmm. this movie is bizarre it's about a virus that takes on the host and like makes the host turn into an alien but you have an incubation period of like so it's a little triggering mm-hmm. of yeah, like a certain COVID amount of movie. time yeah, yeah yeah before like one of the people in your crew becomes the alien and so they're all like hunting each other mm. it's wild okay. if you're in for like a i kind of want to be creeped out and see some gross props the thing okay. And then we have been watching all of the Mission Impossible movies, which is why we're here today. I made you watch Mission Impossible, the original. Mm-hmm. I think the best of the Mission Impossibles. Uh, I haven't seen two because I've heard two is like the dumbest, but I've seen three, four, five, and six, and they are silly and goofy and fun, but one is like a completely different movie. Okay. You hated it. I, this is not a film for me. It's not. Okay, Eli. I saw it's time. It. It's time for some reflection and honesty. Okay. Did you go into this film having already told yourself you were going to hate it? Okay. First of all, I have seen it before. You know, I yeah. saw it in '96 in the theater with my family, and I think at that time I thought it was really cool. Um, because you had excellent taste. I so when you told me we were going to do this movie this week, I had a negative reaction to that. That mm-hmm. is true. Yes. And I was like, Meg, this is going to be really rough for me. But then you said. You know, it's actually really good, and it's not really an action movie, and yada, yada, yada. And then Skyler was like, oh, Mission Impossible's great. That's a great movie. And so so when I started, I was like, you know what? I bet I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. 
and I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Why? I don't don't give this movie an F, like, first of all. But honestly, what it is, it's one of those movies where while I was watching it, I was like, I understand why this is some people's thing. This is not my thing. What about it is not your thing? I'm not into spy movies. I just oh. kind of don't care about spies. Oh, I love spies. I've never, never understood the intrigue. Did you know in high school I was nominated? Harry at the spy? No, oh. I was, what are they called? Like your Facebook superlatives? Yeah. I was most likely to be in the CIA. Oh. Do you think so. you could hack it? Excuse me? That was it? Of course I could hack it. <laughs> just wondering what you thought here. about yourself. I wasn't implying anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I'm not big into spy movies. I do think this is absolutely an action movie. Are you kidding? The okay. whole final sequence that with that no, train. No, 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 no. There is action in this movie. It is not an action movie. It It's bookended by action. But the whole middle section is like heisty mystery. Okay, I would disagree but i think this is an action film but really? and, and action films i have a hard time with because i feel like most action films are written in a way that it's like we want the following sequences to occur we want somebody to be lowered into a room and have to steal something from a computer we want somebody to have to jump off of a train and then they're like okay let's just write a movie that makes those things happen that's how and and then i feel like dialogue in these kinds of movies tends to be like very a lot of one-liners, a lot of punctuation, not a lot of thought. It's just like zing, 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 like just constantly happening. And so they tend not to be for me. I had an extremely hard time following the plot last night when I watched this. And you c- accused me of maybe checking Twitter too many times. How many times did you check Twitter? 14 to 20. Okay. But... Not acceptable. <laughs> And I'm going to tell the listeners what I told you. Turn on the subtitles. I did that halfway through the movie. First of all, when I tried to do that, I accidentally started the second movie, and then I had to go back and find my place again. But then I turned on the subtitles, and that did help. It helped. Because they whisper in it. it. It's hard to understand exactly what they're saying. I am at the point in my life where I have subtitles on always for every movie because it's just easier to read okay Uh, and i find that i'm catching a lot more than i would be i think i might actually have hearing problems i should probably go get checked (laughs) do you want to know the plot of this movie i would actually i part of why i came here today is because i was hoping you would explain to me what i saw and then do you want me to give my nitpicks as we go or do you want me to save those for after your plot i mean i mean let's let's for now, I'm going to say give it to me as we go. If I feel like I'm going to murder you, I'm going to have you wait till the end. Okay. We'll see how this goes. Okay. Okay. So we start out with a crew. Uh, we're not, there's not a lot of exposition as to who these people are. We just know that they're a government agency led by John Voight, Angelina Jolie's father. Right. Uh, and the, the crew includes um, Kristen Scott Thomas and... Tom Cruise, who, I mean, we can we could talk about Tom Cruise for hours. There's just so much there. He's such an interesting, weird dude. It's, and I'm sure we'll get to that we'll later. We'll get to that, yeah. Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. uh, like sex kitten French actress, some other no name, who cares? So they're planning this operation because there is a CIA agent who has gone rogue. Right. Um, and he has half of a list of the names of agents and their code names yeah top secret undercover you know like cia field operatives their code names this half of the list that he has he needs the other half of a list to match to match them to know 
whose real name is what code name. And then he's going to sell this list because that's extremely valuable information to foreign leaders. Right. Then Putin can go and kill all of those exactly people. like gotcha. heads of state can identify who their agents are, Specifically, who the American agents are Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin <laughs> specifically. So the whole point of this operation is to get the knock list uh, from the guy who has just stolen it. They're going to let him take the list um, but they're going to catch him and get the list from him. So they have all these parts in motion and they have it like perfectly planned. They start on the operation, which is that night and everything goes wrong. Um, Emilio Estevez dies in a very upsetting way. Oh, in that elevator. What was that thing? There's like a dagger sticking on top of the so elevator like the shaft. Elevator th- gears like his head goes into the elevator gears that was no, we were talking about this you. last night that is extremely upsetting as in steven and i were talking about this extremely upsetting i remember seeing that as a child and being like Whoa. yeah it's gross like that's one that sticks with you it's yeah. like that and the t-rex eating the lawyer off the toilet Ugh. in jurassic park like those Such are the two movie deaths that like i think about all the time okay uh pretty much everyone else dies mm-hmm. um tom cruise is the only agent left alive unfortunately He's, yeah. I would have picked any of the Emilio others. Estevez? Yeah. Make him the Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Give him a film franchise. What is he doing now? It's like he did Mighty Ducks, and then he just was like, I'm going to just go live off my Mighty Ducks movie and pretend that Charlie Sheen is not my brother. <laughs> it is a little bit hard to separate the Tom Cruise of it all from this movie. Yeah. And what's interesting, and again, we'll get to Tom Cruise more later, but we didn't know much about Tom Cruise in 96. Right. We know a lot about Tom Cruise now that's like... Oh, boy. You know what? Um, since you mentioned it, just like right before we started recording, I pulled up because I was curious. I was like, I know this was like a big part of his career. And I was like, what did we know of Tom Cruise when this movie came out? Get Shorty. Listen to this. Not Get Shorty. Is it Get Shorty? No. Listen to this stretch from 92. This movie came out in 96. Listen to this stretch of films. 92, he does Far and Away. Same year, he does A Few Good Men. A Few Good Right. The next year he does The Firm. Mm. The next year yeah. after that he does Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Then he does Mission Impossible. That same year he does Jerry Maguire. Oh, he was. He, this was his peak. This, this was like him in his prime. That's a six-year peak. Can you think of anybody during that time? Maybe Tom Hanks, but anybody who has a better stretch from ninety to ninety-six. I mean, Brad. It was like he and Brad Pitt were like this was really both of their prime. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of it being like, "Who's hotter, Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt?" Right. And now we're like clearly bad Brad Pitt because he's not a complete psychopath. Like, he's a little bit of a psychopath, but not like not that level. You know, yeah. he's not psychopath like Tom Cruise. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So Tom Cruise is now the lone agent. Uh, he calls. It's not the CIA, but it's the CIA. Okay. Um, and he's like, all of my team died. And he's like, okay, meet me at this restaurant. And in the course of the conversation with this guy, it becomes clear that this operation was a mole hunt because they know that there's a mole within the agency who was not actually, it's not actually the guy they thought it was who was stealing the knock list. It was this mole who was going to steal and sell the knock list to an arms dealer. Mm-hmm. And then the guy says, well, and Ethan, you're the only one that survived. Therefore, you Therefore, must be the mole. You're guilty. You must be the mole. The mole's deep inside. And like you said, you survived. I'll show you something, Ethan. Since your father's death, your family's farm has been in receivership. Now, suddenly, 
They're flush with over 120 grand in the bank. Your father's illness was supposed to have wiped out that bank account. Dying slowly in America, after all, can be a very expensive proposition. So, why don't we quietly get out of here onto a plane? I can understand you're very upset. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. All right, Hunt. Enough is enough. You have bribed, cajoled, and killed, and you have done it using loyalties on the inside. You want to shake hands with the devil that's fine with me. I just want to make sure that you do it in hell. So Tom Cruise explodes a fish tank. Okay, I runs got a away. nitpick about this. Okay, let's hear it. Let me give you my nitpick All right. about this. Okay, so the way he explodes the fish tank is he has that piece of gum that's two different colors, and if you fold it in half, it creates like a nuclear bomb that can like blow up entire buildings. Fine. I don't, I'm not going to nitpick about the science and the physics around that. The part I'm going to nitpick about is this is an extremely, extremely dangerous way to carry around a bomb. And I was like, really? A piece of gum that can be easily mistaken and chewed up and blow up like an entire city block. And also, like, all you have to do is fold it in half. Okay, here's the thing about Mission Impossible. <laughs> it was a TV show. Yeah. And a big part of the TV show was, like, all the gadgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've now seen all the rest of these movies, and the gadgets in them are, like, really fun. Yeah. Like, there's uh, one movie in particular directed by Brad Bird, who directed The Incredibles, that feels like The Incredibles. Like, they have all these crazy gadgets that are doing, like, looking around corners. And it's just, like, it's a fun part of the universe. Well, and in 96, you know, they're... they're giving the woman um, glasses that have a camera in it, in it and it's like perfect quality, like way yeah. better than what we have now. And especially in 96, I remember seeing that and just being like, how cool would that The computers be? in this movie are hilarious. Oh, oh the tech. I'm, I'm about to get to the email part, which this is, is my favorite like part of the movie. <laughs> wild. Um, and so in the course of this conversation, before Tom Cruise had blown up the fish tank, the CIA guy mentions that the mole has been communicating from an email called Job 314. Mm-hmm. Well, for a little over two years, we've been spotting serious blowback in IMF operations. We have a penetration. The other day, we decoded a message on the internet from a check we know as Max. The arms dealer. That's right. Max, it seems, has two unique gifts. Uh, capacity for anonymity and for corrupting susceptible agents. This time he'd gotten to someone on the inside. He'd gotten himself in a position to buy our knock list. Uh, operation he referred to as job 314, the job he thought Galitzin was doing tonight. But the list Galitzin stole was a decoy. That's correct. The actual list is secure blindly. Galitzin was a lightning rod. He was one of ours. This whole operation was a moment. And, well, he says job, 314. Uh-huh. And so Tom Cruise, once he's escaped, he goes back to his the safe house when they're in Prague, which is irrelevant. But I will say part of the Mission Impossible, the appeal of all these Mission Impossible movies is that they're always in a gorgeous European city. Yeah. And you see, like, parts of the city. And Prague, Prague looks amazing. Prague looks in incredible. Movie. In yeah. one, they're in Vienna. Like, they're just... Beautiful. Okay. So he's back in the safe house and he's trying to figure out how to figure out who this mole is. Um, and he 
he's like, job, job, you know. And then uh-huh. in class, like, movic things, he, like, looks up and he sees a Bible. And he's like, oh, Job. Job. And he opens to 314. There's some verse. Doesn't matter. D- yeah. And then first, like, somehow he has the email address of the arms dealer. And he sends an email. And that email address is... Job, Job space space three fourteen and you're like can you no, it's it's max at Job space three colon fourteen and you just know like his inbox is gonna be like unverified server or whatever <laughs> well, this is unable to sir you know like ninety six so none of us knew how email yeah worked. and we're all like I guess that's an email address oh, yeah it totally makes sense you just type in stuff and, and then it's it... like are they in a chat room. <laughs> This must be a chat room. And then it says it, he has to type in who it's from. And so he creates his own email address. And his email address is just Joe. Joe. Yeah, it's just Joe. <laughs> like, that's not already taken. And at one point, he has to, like, search the internet. And it's like Bible. And it's like 134 results. And I'm like, no, you're typing Bible. You're getting, like, 78 million results. Like, he figures out, like, this group thing yeah. within, like, four minutes. I'm like, it would take a hacker, like, nine years to get here. <laughs> Anyway, so he manages to correspond with this arms dealer, mm-hmm. uh, Max. In the interim, Claire, one of the team members whom he thought had died in a car explosion, shows up at the safe house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, everybody is dead. I'm so sad. I'm so French. I'm so sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's like, whatever. Absurd. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't really do much. She's no. just like beautiful and pouty. She's just there to be hot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he communicates with Max, sets up a meeting, uh, is taken off the street in Prague, has to wear a sock over his head, whatever, to go meet Max, who it turns out is Vanessa Redgrave, who is the bomb in this movie. She is wonderful. She is. I love her. She is, yeah. Um, and he tells Max that the knock list, which she has been sold mm-hmm. from the mole, is not real because okay. the CIA had planted that because they were trying, they were to, trying to catch the mole. The mole. Yeah. And he's like, go ahead, try and put the knock list in your computer to upload it. And I promise you the CIA will be here. And so she puts it in the computer and they have, <laughs> again, the technology is like not super clear, but they have like a machine that detects when the CIA is coming and it's like going up and they're like, oh boy, Tom Cruise was right. And so they managed to escape before the CIA gets there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, Tom, Find the mole or find the knock list for me, and then I will deliver the mole to you. Yeah. So Tom Cruise now has to find the real knock list, which is in Langley. He's got to hack into the mainframe. See, isn't this exciting? Aren't you excited right now? I'm more excited hearing you talk about this than I was watching it, <sighs> okay. which is a compliment to you. Thank you. So he has to go to Langley, and obviously he needs a team because he can't yeah. do this all by himself. It's Langley. Yeah. Security is insane. Outrageous. Outrageous. And so he hires this guy named Luther, who is like expert hacker he managed to hack the mainframe of something blah 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 blah. best hacker in the world and some french guy with a knife who's like pretty scary and smokes a lot yes they devise a plan to break into this vault in the cia where the knock list is kept right this is a temperature controlled room that also tracks any movement on the floor Floor. and any noise and the slightest change in temperature or noise or movement and an alarm sounds and everything locks, and Tom Cruise is probably murdered. Right. So, you ready? Yeah. This room has, like, a face sensor. It has to be this one. There's one technician. Yeah. You have to have, like, his face recognition, mm-hmm. um, his thumbprint, whatever, whatever. 
So what they do is they fake a fire. And Luther and what's-his-face, scary smoking man, and Tom Cruise, are firemen who rush into the building to get this fire, which is in the sector where this vault is. Right. Meanwhile, hot, sexy French lady is like a CIA employee with like her hair up and glasses. Somehow she got in. Somehow. Doesn't matter. I'm sorry. If there's a CIA agent that beautiful, like she's going to draw a lot of attention. (laughs) That was the one point where I was like, you want your CIA agents to be as plain as bread. Like you do not want anyone good looking. Anyway, she pours some like Ipecac in his coffee. Right. Right. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise gets up. Tom Cruise and scary French guy. Get up into the air vents above mm-hmm. where the vault is, yeah. and they have a rope. And Tom Cruise gets lowered down. is lowered down 30 feet. The iconic scene. Iconic. Okay, he's getting lowered down. Technician comes into the room, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is up, hovering above him. This guy looks up. Tom Cruise, toast, uh-huh. toast. He's not looking up, rummaging around, looking for stuff on his desk, doing what people do in their offices, and then he's like, uh-oh, tell me troubles. And like all of a sudden he like barfs in the trash can. Yeah. Yeah. And so he runs out of the room. So right. now Tom Cruise is like, okay yeah. to do the thing. So he lowers down. He puts the disc in yeah. to upload the knock list. Yeah. Cutting back and forth to technician in the bathroom barfing, who, by the way, seems like a like perfectly nice person. It's like fine. you kind of feel bad for it's him. Not his fault. Yeah. Like, but he's just trying to serve. And his he'll country. be okay. Yeah. It's just it's not barfing's like terrible. Nobody you know? wants to barf. No, and I would hate to make someone else barf. Yeah. But Tom Cruise is doing the thing. Blah blah blah. Okay, but French guy up in the air vents looks behind him. Giant rat. Yeah. Starts to panic. Yeah. Fumbling with the rope. Tom Cruise drops him. Nightmare. Inches above the floor. Inches. Like an inch. And so Tom Cruise has to like suck in his stomach, like, you know, wobble his feet up. Like It became really clear to me during this part how short he is, by the way. Okay. He looks really little. He is very little. Yeah. I think he's like 5'4". Yeah. He looks really little. Tiny. Tiny Tiny. guy. Um, Also does all of his own stunts. Which is a little crazy sometimes. It's very crazy and stupid, but like really fun to watch. Yeah. Anyway, so he's like freaking out down here. Yeah. Finally. It's pulled up. Well, a uh, bathroom guy, yeah. technician, starts to feel better. Yeah. You know, he's wiping off his face he's and stuff. Fine. And Luther's tracking his movement. Yeah. And Luther's like, he's coming to the vault. He's coming to the vault. Yeah. And so French guy's like, uh-oh. And he like starts to pull him up. But they can't go too fast because that will make noise. Sensor. Yeah. And the thing will go off. Right. And so he's pulling him up, trying to control the noise. Meanwhile, technician is walking to the vault, pulling him up, pulling him up, watching the noise level, yeah. watching Tom Cruise's sweat drip from his face, trying to catch it so it doesn't hit the floor, pulling him up, pulling him up, pulling him up. Guy opens the door, same moment, French guy drops a knife onto the desk. Yeah. Get moving. Ghost. Toast. <sighs> Miss. So the noise exactly 
like correspond with the door. But technician guy walks in, sees the knife, and he's like, "What? What the heck?" And so then they like let off a smoke bomb, and it's like everything's crazy. And the the guy calls a supervisor, and they're like, "This never happened. Get that guy out of here. Put him in a tower in Alaska." But now we know the Nautilus has been stolen. Yeah. And so they're on to Tom. Do we have one minute for a personal anecdote? Yes. Okay, this scene is so iconic, and you know how children will do, they, they'll they repeat what they see on TV. When I was in high school, I worked at a call oh, center. No. Oh, no. And this call center employed just a whole bunch of teenage boys yeah. in the evenings. And there was one supervisor, and she was in her 30s, and she was very angry all the time, probably because she was babysitting a bunch of 17-year-old boys. One night, she left to go run an errand and she's like, I'll be back in 30 and she left. And one of the guys had created some kind of like art on his computer and it was a very unflattering depiction of this supervisor with her name on it and everything. And he decided he was gonna print it out. So he hits print, not realizing that it was going to go to the printer in the supervisor's office. Oh no. So the supervisor's office has a window on it. And so we all run over to the window and we're watching this thing printing out and the door is locked to our office so we can't get in. So somebody has the idea to Mission Impossible into that office to get this piece of paper before she gets back. So we know we have like 20 minutes at this point. And if she sees this paper, we're all in trouble, right? And so... They find rope. I don't know how, but I have the most vivid memory of them going up through the ceiling, one of the guys, and then the other guys had the rope, and they had tied it around his waist. And in our 17-year-old minds, we thought they'll just lower him down, he'll get the paper, and they'll pull him back up. Did that work? (laughs) No, that did not work. I'm standing at this window watching into this office as this guy Falls from the ceiling <laughs> with rope tied around him. He, the other guys are trying to hold onto the rope. Ceiling tiles are coming down everywhere. No. There is confetti of ceiling no. tiles in this office. And oh. then we, I don't know if they, they were um, planning to try and pull him back up. And so they're trying to pull him up. But of course, they don't have the strength or the pulley system to yeah. do it. And so it's just a lot of jerking <laughs> and screaming. Had, Why didn't they just unlock the door? He eventually was like, I bet the door is unlocked. I bet I can unlock it from the inside so he comes out mess everywhere oh, no. a mess everywhere she gets back they get fired well, yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of trouble so i just want to say that oh and when he got fired he went out she fired him on the spot because they fessed up because they didn't want everybody else to get in trouble it was just us fired him on the spot he went outside to this window and put mooned mooned her through the window <laughs> As his final goodbye. Teenage boys do he, not deserve rights. Way, I'm sorry. The way he did it was that the blinds were pulled down and he pounded on the window and she ran over and pulled the blinds up and his butt was flat on the window. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the best night of my life at work. Or ever. So, Period. Yeah. So the point is, don't try it at home. It actually don't doesn't do it. work. Don't do it at home. <laughs> All right. So Tom Cruise has the knock list. Now, yeah. Yeah. he sees on the news that his mom and uncle have been arrested because the CIA is like, we're coming for you, Ethan. Or actually, like, Ethan, we want you to come to us. So he calls the CIA, knows they're tracking the call, wants to let him know long enough that he's in Prague. Yeah. Right? But not specifically where in Prague. Mm -hmm. London, sorry. They're in London at this point. London now, yeah. Meanwhile, though, in the safe house, Tom Cruise has found a Bible. uh, And in the front is stabbed, placed by the Gideons in the Drake Hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. Previously in the movie, 
uh, they had been joking with John Voight, who is like the, the head of the crew, mm-hmm. uh-huh, about the nice places they're putting him up. And they're like, oh, yeah, I heard you were staying at the Drake Chicago in Chicago. Yeah. And so Tom Cruise is like, ruh row. Anyway, he calls the CIA. He looks over. John Voight's alive. He yeah. thought John Voight had died, been yeah. shot by the river. And John Voight is like, I saw the guy who shot me. It was Kittredge, who is the CIA guy. Tom Cruise knows that's actually not what happened. He knows that John Voight planned all of this, killed all of the team members, oh, no. faked his own death yeah. with like the glasses. He like pointed the gun at himself, knowing all they would see is the gun. And then he had fake blood and he was like, I'm dying. And then he like pushed himself into the river. Anyway, so Tom Cruise knows at this point that Jim Voight is the mole. What he does not know is whether or not Jim Voight's wife, Claire, the French sexy lady, yeah, was in on it. So he needs to figure this out, and he does so by contacting Max and saying, like, listen, I've got the knock list. Let's trade, and then you'll give me Job. Uh, And so they meet up on the channel, and then, Uh, of course, CIA Kittredge is there because he wants to get Ethan, Mm. Tom Cruise, who he still believes is the mole. Right. Uh, He gives, Ethan gives the disc to Vanessa Redgrave, Max, um, and he's, she's like, all right, Job's back there in the baggage claim. John Voight is Job getting ready to kill Ethan. And then Claire walks in. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Jim, no. I don't think we should kill him. Is yeah. it necessary to kill him? He'll be disgraced. Yeah. And then Jim rips off the mask because he's Tom Cruise. Because yeah. it's Mission Impossible and they yeah. have lots of masks. Yeah. And then the real John, John Voight comes out. Of the it's also closet. Scooby-Doo. Well, and there's like kind of the villain exposition, like yeah. you try being old yeah. and not having a job anymore and being yeah. replaced by young people. But you know, Ethan's wearing glasses, yeah. and he like actually like sends it via airdrop to Kittredge's Apple Watch, even though Apple watches don't come out for another twenty years, twenty five, thirty years. Yeah, uh, Kittredge is like, gotcha, John Voight. Yeah. But, you know, John Voight's not going to go down without a fight. No way. So what does he do? Climbs on top of, of the, the high tunnel. Speed train. The tunnel that goes yeah. from London to Paris. Like, how fast does that thing go? 200 miles an 200 hour. 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm sorry, I also don't like action movies. This was compelling. Yeah. Because Tom Cruise follows up on top Climbing of the, or the train. They're fighting on top of this 200 mile per hour moving train and then... They jump onto a helicopter, which is tethered to the front of the train. So scary French smoker guy has to fly the helicopter into, into the, the tunnel. tunnel. I'm making a lot of hand gestures yeah. right now, which is pointless for a podcast. But yeah, I need you to know how anxiety-inducing this lot. was. Yeah. In the end, Tom Cruise, what does he pull out? Stop and go gum. Oh, no. Slaps that sucker on the windshield. Of the helicopter. Of the helicopter. For some reason. Jumps. Jumps from the helicopter to the moving train. 200 miles an hour. 200 miles an hour. Makes it. Sticks the landing. Goodbye, John Voight. Goodbye, helicopter. Yeah. Happy ending. I guess. Tom Cruise on an airplane, enjoying his time. Yeah. Stewardess shows up and says, hello, Mr. Hunt, would you enjoy some cinema? And he said, oh, I'm okay. And she's like... How about cinema at the Caribbean, which <gasps> now means Ethan He's Hunt is the new John Voight. Yeah. Roll credits. I'm impressed with your recall. Thank you. Now, isn't that a good movie? 
I think it's a better movie now that you've said all of that. Yeah. I will say the last time I saw this, I was nine and I had no idea what was happening. And it was very nice to watch it again and be like, oh, that's what the plot of this movie is. Okay. So I gave it a C. I give it <laughs> I give it a solid B plus. Okay. I like that it took its time. Yeah. I feel like if you make a movie like this anymore, you don't get the kind of patience from the audience. Mm, you can make a series and get a lot of patience from an audience, but a movie, audiences don't have nearly the patience for movies anymore. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It's weird. Tom Cruise is our age in this. Tom Cruise in this, we all thought that was just like another Hollywood hunk. Yeah. It is so weird to watch this and be like, look at that Scientologist maniac. He's He's gone so crazy since then. When did it start? Was it the jumping on the couch on Oprah? Is that when it started? I mean, is that when we knew he was crazy? I think that's when we started to be that's like... That's when it entered my consciousness. Oh, this guy's a little not right. Yeah. And I want to I wanna clarify here. I don't feel good about, like, poking fun at any religion. Like, mm. I am part of a religion where... If you look at it from the outside, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it I seems understand. totally normal, actually. Scientology or no, Mormonism? <laughs> you know, like, I get yeah. it. I get what it's like to have people, like, not understand the complexities of your faith. Yeah. I am of the p- opinion that Scientology is not a religion. Okay. I think it's kind of a dangerous cult. Okay. Which is why I feel okay saying, like, Scientology has messed up Tom Cruise or vice versa. I don't know. You don't know which it is. This guy is a Scientology robot. Like, yeah. I'm convinced when he's not filming, he is, like, powering down. And he's that guy from Parks and Rec who just, like, stares blankly all day. Weird. Don't you get that impression? Like, that what impression. is Tom Cruise's personality? So there's a documentary about this, right? Going Clear is about Scientology. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Is it what, what did you learn? I've, I've been meaning to watch it for a long time. I mean, it's... It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's it's a few extremely wealthy people exploiting a lot of yeah. other people under the promise that if you just keep going within the system, you'll be where we are. And that so really Scientology doesn't... really benefits Tom Cruise. Yeah, like it has really helped Tom Cruise's career. It's really helped John Travolta's career. Mm. But for like just like a normal you or me, whatever, like we're scrubbing floors all day. Weird. So they just basically, Tom Cruise, he's just got like slaves. Yeah. He's basically like. There's this super weird like award ceremony where they give Tom Cruise like the highest honor of Scientology. Hmm. And it's just like really upsetting to hear his speech with like all this coded language about Scientology and like fighting the good fight and stuff. It's super, super weird. He's a super weird guy. How did, do we know how he got involved? I forgot. Yeah. But I think it was like, hey, we will help your career. Hmm. And they did. Hmm. Does Scientology, I like don't really know anything about it. Does Scientology promise any kind of like afterlife-y things or is it just like a consequence in life? Okay, Again, like, I don't want to misrepresent people's faith. I think that there are, like, some true believers who are like, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard is living in space on this ship, and when I die, I get to go to that spaceship or whatever it is. Okay. 
But most people, it's like if I'm a part of Scientology, I will be successful. So it's like okay, it's kind of like a, an MLM. Yeah, it's like religion meets multi-level marketing pyramid scheme. Interesting. Yeah, and like Tom Cruise is at the very top. I'm gonna have to check it out. Uh, going clear <laughs> okay. on HBO. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, super weird to see Tom Cruise in this because we know so much more about him now. And I will say, he's still in the Mission Impossible movies. They're still fun to watch. You're just kind of more like you're smarter about it. Do you think Tom Tom Cruise is a good actor? No. I don't either. I don't think this role requires good acting. I I agree. But generally speaking, like he's gotten a lot of attention. He's gotten accolades. And I always just feel like he overacts. He's sort of like the male version of Reese Witherspoon, except I think she's more talented than he is. Yeah. Just kind of coming at coming at us a little too strong all the time. Yeah. There's a there's one Mission Impossible movie where he has a girlfriend, like a fiance, uh-huh. and he's supposed to be like romantic and sweet with her. And it is like makes my stomach turn huh. to see Tom Cruise like evoking emotion. I'm like, no, this is not you. You're yeah. just shark eyes, just like fight, yeah. jump from helicopters. That's all I want. Do your own sense. I don't want to see you feel things. Gotcha. Mission Impossible. Check it out or don't. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I would like to hear if there are fans out there because um, I think it's a good movie and I think Eli's wrong. All right. It wouldn't be the first time <laughs> that you thought I was wrong. Um, next week, we are doing a Bachelor check-in. There is some wild news coming oh. out of The Bachelor. Uh, I'm also recording an episode about Selling Sunset, so you can look forward to those in the future. And you and I, Eli, will be back soon with another yes. another movie we'll revisit. So um, stay tuned. Remember to subscribe to the Beehive newsletter at thebeehive.com on the newsletter tab. And we will see you all soon.